Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. After decades of wandering, only now does a pattern emerge. Eric Weiner, author of Man Seeks God, My Flirtations with the Divine, is speaking. I'm drawn to places that beguile and inspire, sedate and stir, places where for a few blissful moments I loosen my death grip on life and can breathe. It turns out these destinations have a name, Thin Places. It is admittedly an odd term, he continues. One could be forgiven for thinking that thin places describe skinny nations like Chile, or perhaps cities populated by thin people, see Los Angeles. No, thin places are much deeper than that. They are locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses and we're able to catch glimpses of the transcendent or the divine. Travel to thin places disorients. It confuses. We lose our bearings and find new ones or not. Either way, we are jolted out of our old ways of seeing the world and of seeing ourselves in the world. Pagan Celts first used the term thin places. Heaven and earth are only three feet apart, they said, but in thin places, even that distance disappears. We need to go to Bowdoin Springs, my grandmother would say, when there was no running water at her rural home in Texas. Sylvia Maddox, co-author of Praying with the Celtic Saints, is writing, Bowdoin Springs, just saying the words filled my heart with joy. Bowdoin Springs had a luminous quality that extended beyond the water we would gather in our tall metal milking cans. There was the journey of climbing slowly up the winding dirt road to the springs. There was the surprise of finding the overflowing water that seemed to come from nowhere. Most of all, There was the delight of drinking and splashing in the abundant water bubbling over the rocks. As a child, I did not have the words sacred landscape or holy ground, but I had an intense experience of what I later read in scripture of living waters. North American poet Charlon Sledge writes, thin places the Celts call this space both seen and unseen, where the door between the world and the next is cracked open for a moment, and the light is not on all the other side. God-shaped space, holy. Thin places are everywhere in nature, 
and wildness and wilderness. We speak of ourselves as ocean people, mountain people, desert people, and we're talking about the places that are thin for us. But thin places are also in our midst. Members of Arlington Street Zen Center do our walking meditation together around the pond in the public garden, circling single file through the New England seasons. Darkening days, then darkness, then lightning, then light. Cooling, then cold, then cool again, but with a warm breeze and then warm and hot. The gentle rustle of brown leaves, then the black branches against the black sky, then the dark green forming buds, and then the new green leaves and grass, and perfect blue of pond and sky. Here in the center of the city, we walk in this small oasis, breathing in, breathing out, until we are being breathed and peace descends on the center of the center of our turbulent lives. I think of these words set to an old hymn in my distant memory. Our God is great and great God's praise from just this one small part of earth. From just this one small part of earth a thin place with a profound abundance of gifts of the spirit. For us, the public garden is a thin place. While thin places may manifest more obviously in untamed landscapes, many places in many cities are decidedly thin. Eric Weiner writes, the world's first urban centers in Mesopotamia were erected not as places of commerce or empire, but rather so inhabitants could consort with the gods. On many occasions, I have stood in a bookstore, having been inexplicably drawn to the open book in my hands. Gazing down at the words on the page, suddenly they have begun to dance with meaning or burst into flames behind my eyes, searing some new insight into my mind. For me, Books, and perhaps bookstores, are thin places. In his scholarly religious classic, The Sacred and the Profane, Merte Eliade wrote, some parts of space are qualitatively different from others. People pilgrimage to the far reaches of the world to visit so-called holy sites. But in my experiences, those journeys can be setups for disappointment. Recently, some friends moved heaven and earth to push their wheelchair-bound father from a small town down south through a maze of airports and hotels and terrible streets into an impossibly long line in Florence, Italy, so that he may fulfill his lifetime dream of seeing Michelangelo's David. When finally, finally, their father sat at the feet of the 17-foot-high marble statue of the biblical giant killer, David, and they stood behind his wheelchair, flush with triumph and anticipation. All he said was, oh. (laughs) 
I myself was more deeply moved in a small shack of a chapel in a remote mountain village of Peru, surrounded by the profound devotion of the worshipers crowded inside, than I've ever been in any great cavernous cathedral full of icons and tourists, but absent of spirit. One person's thin place is another person's thick place. But what is it exactly that makes a thin place thin? Eric Weiner writes, it's easier to say what a thin place is not. A thin place is not necessarily a tranquil place or a fun one or even a beautiful one, though it may be all of those things too. Disney World, he says, is not a thin place, nor is Cancun. But he and his seven-year-old daughter visited New Delhi and were utterly transported at the Bangla Sahib Gurdwara, which is a Sikh temple. He writes, the temple owes its thinness in part to the contrasting thickness amassed outside its gates, the press of humanity, the freestyle traffic, the unrelenting noise, and in general, the controlled anarchy that is urban India. We stepped outside the gates of the Gurdwara and into another world. The mesmerizing sound of a harmonium wafted across a reflecting pool. The white marble felt cool on our bare feet. The temple compound was not devoid of people, but this was a different sort of crowd. Everyone walked to the edge of the water, drawn by something unspoken, lost in their solitary worlds together. At the Gurdwara, he continues, Time burst its banks. We were awash in time. That's a common reaction to a thin place. It's not that we lost all sense of time, but rather that our relationship with time is altered, softened. In thin places, time is not something we feel compelled to parse or hoard. There's plenty of it to go around. Thin places relax us, yes, but they also transform us, or more accurately, unmask us and unencumber us. In thin places, we become our more essential selves. If you're getting nervous about the woo-woo factor of thin places, woo-woo, try not to worry. We are in good company. This is Mahatma Gandhi. There is an indefinable, mysterious power that pervades everything. I feel it, though I do not see it. It is this unseen power that makes itself felt and yet defies all proof, because it is so unlike all that I perceive through my senses. It transcends the senses. I'm going to stand on the side of believing in the power of thin places, although maybe we just rather call them special, um, and for seeking out and being attuned to their presence in our lives, the presence of places that give us access to spiritual depth and substance and meaning and are possessed of a refreshing, restorative quality in our lives. So where do we find them? In the Sierra Club classic, On the Loose, Terry Russell wrote, adventure is not in the guidebook and beauty is not on the map. Seek 
and ye shall find. In other words, we find them more unexpectedly than not stumble on them, more than anticipate them. Best not to brim with expectation. This is Henry David Thoreau writing in Walden. After the rain, bending my steps again to the pond, as I ran down the hill toward the reddening west with the rainbow over my shoulder, my good genius seemed to say, go fish and hunt far and wide, day by day, farther and wider, and rest thee by many brooks and hearthsides without misgiving. Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. Rise free from care before the dawn and seek adventures. Let the noon find thee by other lakes and the night overtake thee everywhere at home. In the end, Eric Weiner asks the most obvious question. Why isn't the whole world thin? He answers with these words a kind of challenge. Maybe the whole world is thin, but we're too thick to recognize it. Maybe thin places offer glimpses not of heaven, but of earth as it really is. Beloved spiritual companions, heaven and earth are only three feet apart, they say. But in thin places, even that distance disappears. We need to go to Bowdoin Springs. May we be refreshed and restored. May we be unmasked, unencumbered, transformed. May we be everywhere.